0: as extra items for each episode you can read or download. You can also find great books and videos for sale as well. Feel free to also visit our Facebook page. A link is provided as well on the website. Okay, on to the episode.
1: Henry VII was King of England and Lord of Ireland from his seizing the crown on August 22, 1485 until his death on April 21, 1509 as the first monarch of the House of Tudor. Henry won the throne when his forces defeated Richard III at the Battle of Bosworth Field. He was the last king of England to win his throne on the field of battle. Henry cemented his claim by marrying Elizabeth of York, daughter of Edward IV niece of Richard III. Henry was successful in restoring the power and stability of the English monarchy after the political upheavals of the civil wars known as the Wars of the Roses. He founded the Tudor dynasty and, after a reign of nearly twenty-four years, was peacefully succeeded by his son, Henry VIII. Although Henry can be credited with the restoration of political stability in England, and a number of commendable administrative, economic and diplomatic initiatives, the latter part of his reign was characterized by a financial rapacity which stretched the bounds of legality. The capriciousness and lack of due process which indebted many in England were soon ended upon Henry VII's death after a commission revealed widespread abuses. According to the contemporary historian Polydor Virgil, simple greed in large part underscored the means by which royal control was over asserted in Henry's final years. Ancestry and Early Life Henry VII was born at Pembroke Castle on January 28, 1457, to the 13 year old Margaret Beaufort. Countess of Richmond. His father, Edmund Tudor, 1st Earl of Richmond, died three months before his birth. Henry's paternal grandfather, Owen Tudor, originally from the Tudors of Penmynydd, Isle of Anglesey in Wales, had been a page in the court of Henry V. He rose to become one of the Squires to the Body to the King after military service at Agincourt. Owen is said to have secretly married the widow of Henry V., Catherine of Valois one of their sons was Edmund Tudor, father of Henry VII. Edmund was created Earl of Richmond in 1452, and formally declared legitimate by Parliament. Henry's main claim to the English throne derived from his mother through the House of Beaufort. Henry's mother, Lady Margaret Beaufort, was a great-granddaughter of John of Gaunt, Duke of Lancaster, fourth son of Edward III, and his third wife Catherine Swineford. Catherine was Gaunt's mistress for about 25 years. When they married in 1396, they already had four children, including Henry's great-grandfather John Beaufort. Thus Henry's claim was somewhat tenuous, it was from a woman, and by illegitimate descent. In theory, the Portuguese and Spanish royal families had a better claim as descendants of Catherine of Lancaster, the daughter of John of Gaunt and his second wife Constance of Castile. Gaunt's nephew Richard II legitimized Gaunt's children by Catherine Swineford by letters patent in 1397. In 1407, Henry IV, who was Gaunt's son by his first wife, issued new letters patent confirming the legitimacy of his half-siblings, but also declaring them ineligible for the throne. Henry IV's action was of doubtful legality, as the Beauforts were previously legitimized by an Act of Parliament, but it further weakened Henry's claim. Nonetheless, by 1483 Henry was the senior male Lancastrian claimant remaining, after the deaths in battle or by murder or execution of Henry VI, his son Edward of Westminster, Prince of Wales, and the other Beaufort line of descent through Lady Margaret's uncle, the second Duke of Somerset. Henry also made some political capital out of his Welsh ancestry, for example in attracting military support and safeguarding his army's passage through Wales on its way to the Battle of Bosworth. He came from an old-established Anglesey family which claimed descent from Cadwallad and on occasion, Henry displayed the Red Dragon of Cadwallad. He took it, as well as the standard of St George, on his procession through London after victory at Bosworth. A contemporary writer and Henry's biographer, Bernard Andrew also made much of Henry's Welsh descent. In reality, however, his hereditary connections to Welsh aristocracy were not strong. He was descended by the paternal line, through several generations, from Ednefet Fitchin, the Seneschal of Gwynedd and through this Seneschal's wife from Rhysap Tewdwr, the King of Deboth in South Wales. His more immediate ancestor Tudor Apgaroni had aristocratic land rights, but his sons who were first cousins to Glindam Mike Microna, sided with Wayne in his revolt. One son was executed and the family land was forfeited. Another son, Henry's great-grandfather, became a butler to the Bishop of Bangor. Owen Tudor, the son of the butler, like the children of other rebels, was provided for by Henry V, a circumstance which precipitated his access to Queen Catherine of Valois. Notwithstanding this lineage, to the Bards of Wales, Henry was a candidate for Wymab and a Euro the son of prophecy, who would free the Welsh from oppression. In 1456, Henry's father Edmund Tudor was captured while fighting for Henry VI in South Wales against the Yorkists. He died in Carmarthen Castle, three months before Henry was born. Henry's uncle Jasper Tudor, the Earl of Pembroke and Edmund's younger brother, undertook to protect the young widow who was thirteen years old when she gave birth to Henry. When Edward IV became king in 1461, Jasper Tudor went into exile abroad. Pembroke Castle, and later the Earldom of Pembroke, were granted to the Yorkist William Herbert, who also assumed the guardianship of Margaret Beaufort and the young Henry. Henry lived in the Herbert household until 1469, when Richard Neville, Earl of Warwick, went over to the Lancastrians. Herbert was captured fighting for the Yorkists and executed by Warwick. When Warwick restored Henry VI in 1470, Jasper Tudor returned from exile and brought Henry to court. When the Yorkist Edward IV regained the throne in 1471, Henry fled with other Lancastrians to Brittany, where he spent most of the next fourteen years. Rise to the throne By 1483, his mother, despite being married to a Yorkist, Was actively promoting Henry as an alternative to Richard III. At Wren Cathedral on Christmas Day 1483, Henry pledged to marry Edward IV's eldest daughter, Elizabeth of York, who was also Edward's heir since the presumed death of her brothers, the princes in the Tower. Henry then received the homage of his supporters. With money and supplies borrowed from his host Francis II, Duke of Brittany, Henry tried to land in England, but his conspiracy unraveled resulting in the execution of his primary co-conspirator, the Duke of Buckingham. Now supported by Francis II's Prime Minister Pierre Landais, Richard III attempted to extradite Henry from Brittany, but Henry escaped to France. He was welcomed by the French, who readily supplied him with troops and equipment for a second invasion. Having gained the support of the Woodvilles, in laws of the late Edward IV, he sailed with a small French and Scottish force. Henry landed in Millbay, Pembrokeshire, close to his birthplace. He marched towards England accompanied by his uncle Jasper and the Earl of Oxford. Wales was traditionally a Lancastrian stronghold, and Henry owed the support he gathered to his Welsh birth and ancestry, being directly descended, through his father, from Rhysap Grufford. He amassed an army of around 5,000 soldiers. Henry was aware that his best chance to seize the throne was to engage Richard quickly and defeat him immediately, as Richard had reinforcements in Nottingham and Leicester. Richard only needed to avoid being killed to keep his throne. Though outnumbered, Henry's Lancastrian forces decisively defeated Richard's Yorkist army at the Battle of Bosworth Field on August 22, 1485. Several of Richard's key allies, such as the Earl of Northumberland and William and Thomas Stanley, crucially switched sides or left the battlefield. Richard III's death at Bosworth Field effectively ended the Wars of the Roses, although it was not the last battle Henry had to fight. Reign The first concern Henry had was to secure his hold on the throne. He honored his pledge of December 1483 to marry Elizabeth of York. They were third cousins, as both were great-great-grandchildren of John of Gaunt. The marriage took place on January 18, 1486, at Westminster. The marriage unified the Warring Houses and gave his children a strong claim to the throne. The unification of the Houses of York and Lancaster by this marriage is symbolized by the heraldic emblem of the Tudor Rose, a combination of the White Rose of York and the Red Rose of Lancaster. It also ended future discussion as to whether the descendants of the fourth son of Edward III, Edmund, Duke of York, through marriage to Philippa, Heiress of the second son, Lionel, Duke of Clarence, had a superior or inferior claim to those of the third son John of Gaunt, who had held the throne for three generations. In addition, Henry had Parliament repealed Titulus Regius, the statute that declared Edward Fall's marriage invalid and his children illegitimate, thus legitimizing his wife. Amateur historians Bertram Fields and Sir Clements Markham have claimed that he may have been involved in the murder of the princes in the tower. As the repeal of Titulus Regius gave the princes a stronger claim to the throne than his own. Alison Weir, however, points out that the Wren ceremony, two years earlier, was possible only if Henry and his supporters were certain that the princes were already dead. Henry's second action was to declare himself king retroactively from August 21, 1485, the day before Bosworth Field. This meant that anyone who had fought for Richard against him would be guilty of treason. Thus, Henry could legally confiscate the lands and property of Richard III while restoring his own. However, he spared Richard's nephew and designated heir, the Earl of Lincoln. He also created Margaret Plantagenet, a Yorkist heiress, Countess of Salisbury, sui juris. He took great care not to address the baronage or summon Parliament until after his coronation, which took place in Westminster Abbey on October thirtieth, fourteen eighty-five. Almost immediately afterwards, he issued an edict that any gentleman who swore fealty to him would, notwithstanding any previous attainder, be secure in his property and person. Henry secured his crown principally by dividing and undermining the power of the nobility, especially through the aggressive use of bonds and recognizances to secure loyalty. He also enacted laws against livery and maintenance, the great lord's practice of having large numbers of retainers who wore their Lord's badge or uniform and formed a potential private army. While he was still in Leicester after the Battle of Bosworth Field Henry was already taking precautions to avoid any rebellions against his reign. Before leaving Leicester to go to London, Henry dispatched Robert Willoughby to Sheriff Hutton in Yorkshire, to have the ten-year-old Edward, Earl of Warwick, arrested and taken to the Tower of London. Edward was the son of George, Duke of Clarence. And as such, he presented a threat as a potential rival to the new king Henry VII for the throne of England. However, Henry was threatened by several active rebellions over the next few years. The first was the rebellion of the Stafford brothers and Viscount Lovell of fourteen eighty six, which collapsed without fighting. In fourteen eighty seven, Yorkists led by Lincoln rebelled in support of Lambert Simnel, a boy who was claimed to be the Earl of Warwick, son of Edward IV's brother Clarence. The rebellion was defeated and Lincoln killed at the Battle of Stoke. Henry made the boy, Simnel, a servant in the royal kitchen. In 1490, a young Fleming, Perkin Warbeck, appeared and claimed to be Richard, the younger of the princes in the tower. Warbeck won the support of Edward IV's sister Margaret of Burgundy. He led attempted invasions of Ireland in 1491 and England in 1495 and persuaded James IV of Scotland to invade England in 1496. In 1497 Warbeck landed in Cornwall with a few thousand troops, but was soon captured and executed. In 1499, Henry had the Earl of Warwick executed. However, he spared Warwick's elder sister Margaret. She survived until 1541, when she was executed by Henry VIII. Henry married Elizabeth of York with the hope of uniting the Yorkist and Lancastrian sides of the Plantagenet dynastic disputes. In this, he was largely successful. However, such a level of paranoia persisted that anyone with blood ties to the Plantagenets was suspected of coveting the throne. Economics, Unlike his predecessors, Henry VII came to the throne without personal experience in estate management or financial administration. Yet during his reign Henry VII became a fiscally prudent monarch who restored the fortunes of an effectively bankrupt Exchequer. Henry VII introduced stability to the financial administration of England by keeping the same financial advisers throughout his reign. For instance, excepting only the first few months of the reign, Lord Dinham and Thomas Howard, Earl of Surrey, were the only two office holders in the position of Lord High Treasurer of England throughout the reign of Henry VII. Henry VII improved tax collection within the realm even by introducing ruthlessly efficient mechanisms of taxation. In this he was supported by his chancellor, Archbishop John Morton, whose Morton's Fork was a catch-22 method of ensuring that nobles paid increased taxes. Morton's Fork may actually have been invented by another of Henry's suppateurs Euro Richard folks. However, whether it's called Fox's Fork, or Morton's Fork the result was the same those nobles who spent little must have saved much and, thus, they could afford the increased taxes. On the other hand, those nobles who spent much, obviously had the means to pay the increased taxes. Royal government was also reformed with the introduction of the King's Council that kept the nobility in check. Foreign policy, Henry VII's policy was both to maintain peace and to create economic prosperity. Up to a point, he succeeded, He was not a military man and had no interest in trying to regain French territories lost during the reigns of his predecessors. He was therefore ready to conclude a treaty with France at Atopoles that brought money into the coffers of England, and ensured the French would not support pretenders to the English throne, such as Perkin Warbeck. However, this treaty came at a slight price, as Henry mounted a minor invasion of Brittany in November 1492. Henry decided to keep Brittany out of French hands, signed an alliance with Spain to that end, and sent 7,000 troops to France. The confused, fractious nature of Breton politics undermined his efforts, which finally failed after three sizable expeditions, at a cost of £24,000. However, as France was becoming more concerned with the Italian wars, the French were happy to agree to the Treaty of Etyples. Henry had been under the financial and physical protection of the French throne or its vassals for most of his life, prior to his ascending the throne of England. To strengthen his position, however, he subsidized shipbuilding, so strengthening the navy and improving trading opportunities. By the time of his death, he had amassed a personal fortune of a £1.25 a million. Henry VII was one of the first European monarchs to recognize the importance of the newly united Spanish Kingdom and concluded the Treaty of Medina del Campo, by which his son, Arthur Tudor, was married to Catherine of Aragon. He also concluded the Treaty of Perpetual Peace with Scotland, which betrothed his daughter Margaret to King James IV of Scotland. By means of this marriage, Henry VII hoped to break the old alliance between Scotland and France. Though this was not achieved during his reign, the marriage eventually led to the union of the English and Scottish crowns under Margaret's great-grandson, James VI and I. Following the death of Henry's granddaughter Elizabeth I he also formed an alliance with Holy Roman Emperor Maximilian I and persuaded Pope Innocent VIII to issue a papal bull of excommunication against all pretenders to Henry's throne. Trade Agreements Henry's most successful diplomatic achievement as regards the economy was the Magnus Intercursus of 1496. In 1494, Henry embargoed trade with the Netherlands as retaliation for Margaret of Burgundy's support of Perkin Warbeck. The merchant adventurers, the company which enjoyed the monopoly of the Flemish wool trade, relocated from Antwerp to Calais. At the same time, Flemish merchants were rejected from England the standoff eventually paid off for Henry. Both parties realized they were mutually disadvantaged by the reduction in commerce. Its restoration by the Magnus Intercursus was very much to England's benefit in removing taxation for English merchants and significantly increasing England's wealth. In turn, Antwerp became an extremely important trade in Tripod, through which, for example, goods from the Baltic, Spices from the East and Italian silks were exchanged for English cloth. In 1506, Henry extorted the Treaty of Windsor from Philip the Handsome of Burgundy. Philip had been shipwrecked on the English coast, and while Henry's guest, was bullied into an agreement so favorable to England at the expense of the Netherlands that it was dubbed the Malice Intercursus. France, Burgundy, the Holy Roman Empire, Spain and the Hanseatic League all rejected the treaty which was never in force Philip died shortly after the negotiations Henry VII was also enriched by trading alum which was used in the wool and cloth trades for dyeing fabric since Europe had only one area where it was mined it was a scarce commodity and therefore valuable starting in 1486 Henry VII became involved in the alum trade with the assistance of the Italian merchant banker Lodovico della Fava and the Italian banker Girolamo Frescobaldi, Henry VII, became deeply involved in the alum trade by licensing ships, obtaining alum from the Ottoman Empire, and selling it to the Low Countries and England. This trade made an expensive commodity cheaper, which raised opposition with Pope Julius II. Since the Tolfa, Italy alum mine was a part of papal territory, thereby giving the Pope monopoly control over alum. Law enforcement and justices of peace. Henry's principal problem was to restore royal authority in a realm recovering from the Wars of the Roses. There were too many powerful noblemen, and, as a consequence of the system of so called bastard feudalism, each had what amounted to private armies of indentured retainers. He was content to allow the nobles their regional influence if they were loyal to him. For instance, the Stanley family had control of Lancashire and Cheshire, upholding the peace on the condition that they stayed within the law. In other cases, he brought his overpowerful subjects to heel by decree. He passed laws against livery and maintenance. These laws were used shrewdly in levying fines upon those that he perceived as threats. However, his principal weapon was the Court of Star Chamber. This revived an earlier practice of using a small group of the Privy Council as a personal or prerogative court, able to cut through the cumbersome legal system and act swiftly serious disputes involving the use of personal power, or threats to royal authority, were thus dealt with. Henry VII used justices of the peace on a large, nationwide scale. They were appointed for every shire and served for a year at a time. Their chief task was to see that the laws of the country were obeyed in their area. Their powers and numbers steadily increased during the time of the Tudors, never more so than under Henry's reign. Despite this. Henry was keen to constrain their power and influence, applying the same principles to the justices of the peace as he did to the nobility, a similar system of bonds and recognizances to that which applied to both the gentry and the nobles who tried to exert their elevated influence over these local officials. All acts of parliament were overseen by the justices of the peace. For example, justices of the peace could replace suspect jurors in accordance with the 1495 Act preventing the corruption of juries. They were also in charge of various administrative duties such as the checking of weights and measures. By 1509, justices of the peace were key enforcers of law and order for Henry VII. They were unpaid, which, in comparison with modern standards, meant a lesser tax bill to pay for a police force. Local gentry saw the office as one of local influence and prestige and were therefore willing to serve. Overall, This was a successful area of policy for Henry, both in terms of efficiency and as a method of reducing the corruption endemic within the nobility of the Middle Ages. Later Years and Death In 1502, Henry VII's first son and heir apparent, Arthur Tudor, died suddenly at Ludlow Castle, very likely from a viral respiratory illness known, at the time, as the English sweating sickness. This made Henry, Duke of York, heir apparent to the throne. The king, normally a reserved man, surprised his courtiers by his intense grief at his son's death, while his concern for the queen is evidence that the marriage was a happy one. Henry VII wanted to maintain the Spanish alliance. He therefore arranged a papal dispensation from Pope Julius II for Prince Henry to marry his brother's widow Catherine, a relationship that would have otherwise precluded marriage in the Roman Catholic Church. In 1503, Queen Elizabeth died in childbirth, so King Henry had the dispensation also permit him to marry Catherine himself. After obtaining the dispensation, Henry had second thoughts about the marriage of his son and Catherine. Catherine's mother Isabella I of Castile had died and Catherine's sister Joanna had succeeded her. Catherine was therefore daughter of only one reigning monarch and so less desirable as a spouse for Henry VII's heir apparent. The marriage did not take place during his lifetime. Henry made half-hearted plans to remarry and beget more heirs, but these never came to anything. In 1505 he was sufficiently interested in a potential marriage to Joan, the recently widowed queen of Naples, that he sent ambassadors to Naples to report on the 27-year-old's physical suitability. Despite his efforts at remarriage, there is little doubt that Henry felt genuine grief for his wife. On her death he privily departed to a solitary place, and would that no man should resort unto him. Henry VII died at Richmond Palace on April 21, 1509 of tuberculosis and was buried at Westminster Abbey. He was succeeded by his second son, Henry VIII. Appearance and character At 27, Henry was tall, slender, with small blue eyes and noticeably bad teeth and a long, sallow face beneath very fair hair. Amiable and high spirited, Henry Tudor was friendly if dignified in manner, while it was clear to everyone that he was extremely intelligent. His biographer, Professor Crimes, credits him, even before he had become king, with possessing a high degree of personal magnetism, ability to inspire confidence, and a growing reputation for shrewd decisiveness. On the debit side, he may have looked a little delicate as he suffered from poor health. Legacy and memory, Historians have always compared Henry VII with his continental contemporaries, especially Louis XI of France and Ferdinand II of Aragon. By 1600, historians emphasized Henry's wisdom in drawing lessons in statecraft from other monarchs. By 1900, the new monarchy interpretation stressed the common factors that in each country led to the revival of monarchical power. This approach raised puzzling questions about similarities and differences in the development of national states in the late twentieth century a model of European state formation was prominent in which Henry less resembles Louis and Ferdinand. Henry's titles, up to 1485 the Earl of Richmond, August 22, 1485 a Euro April 21, 1509, His Grace the King of England and France, Lord of Ireland, Henry's full style as King was, Henry, by the grace of God, King of England, France and Lord of Ireland, Arms. Upon his succession as king, Henry became entitled to bear the arms of his kingdom. After his marriage, he used the red and white rose as his emblem a euro this continued to be his dynasty's emblem, known as the Tudor Rose. Issue: Henry and Elizabeth's children are listed below. An illegitimate son has also been attributed to Henry by a Breton lady, further descendants – Henry VII's eldest surviving daughter Margaret was married first to James IV of Scotland. Their son became James V of Scotland, whose daughter became Mary, Queen of Scots. Margaret Tudor's second marriage was to Archibald Douglas. Their grandson, Henry Stuart, Lord Darnley, married Mary, Queen of Scots. Their son, James VI of Scotland, inherited the throne of England as James I after the death of Henry's granddaughter, Elizabeth I, after divorcing Douglas. Her third and final marriage was to Henry Stuart, with whom she had another daughter. Dorothea Stuart. Henry VII's other surviving daughter, Mary I married King Louis XII of France, who died after only about three months of marriage. She then married the Duke of Suffolk without the permission of her brother, now King Henry VIII. Their daughter Frances married Henry Grey, and her children included Lady Jane Grey, in whose name her parents and in-laws tried to seize the throne after Edward VI of England died. The current monarch of the United Kingdom, Elizabeth II, is a direct descendant of Henry VII. The daughter of Henry's double great great grandson James I, six Elizabeth Stuart was the mother of Sophia of Hanover, whose descendants were the monarchs of the House of Hanover and the succeeding House of Saxe-Coburg-Gotha Windsor. Ancestry. See also Cestui Cultural depictions of Henry VII of England. Notes. References. Ashley. Mike. British Kings and Queens. Carolyn Graff, PPA 280 A. Euro 286. ISBN 0 7867 1104 3 A. Crimes, Stanley B. Henry 7. New Haven, Yale University Press, 2nd ed. ISBN A 0 520 02266 1 A. Cunningham, Sean. Henry 7. New York, Routledge. ISBN 0-415-26620-3A, Curran, John M. The King's Army into the parts of Bretagne Henry VII in the Breton Wars, 1489 Euro 1491, War in History, November 2000, Volume 7, Issue 4, Goon, Stephen. Politic History, New Monarchy and State Formation. Henry VII in European Perspective, Historical Research, August 2009, Volume 82, Issue 217, Pages 380-392. Guy, John, The Tudor Age, in Morgan, Kenneth O. The Oxford History of Britain, Oxford, Oxford University Press, ISBN A 0-19-285202-7. A. Kendall, Paul Murray. Richard III. Sphere Books. ISBN 0-351-17095-2a, McCulloch, Diamade. The Consolidation of England 1485 a Euro 1603. In Morrell, John. The Oxford Illustrated History of Tudor and Stuart Britain, Oxford, Oxford University Press. ISBN 0-19-289327-0, Morgan, Kenneth O. The Oxford History of Britain. Oxford, Oxfordshire Oxford University Press. ISBN 0 19 285202 7 A. Morrell, John. The Oxford Illustrated History of Tudor and Stuart Britain. Oxford, Oxfordshire Oxford University Presser, Penn, Thomas. Winter King a Euro Henry VII in the dawn of Tudor England. London, Simon & Schuster ISBN 978-1-4391-9156-9, Rogers, Caroline. Chavez, Roger. Henry VII. Hodder & Stoughton Educational. ISBN A0-340-75381-1a, Starkey, David. Monarchy, from the Middle Ages to Modernity. New York New York, Harper Perennial. ISBN A0-00-724766-4A, Toll, Carolyn. Hunt, Jocelyn. Henry Seven. New York, Longman. ISBN A0-582-29691-9A, Weir, Allison. Henry VIII, King and Court. London, Pimlico. ISBN 0-7126-6451-3A, Weir, Alison. The Princes in the Tower. New York, Ballantine. ISBN 0-345-39178-0A, Williams, Neville. The Life and Times of Henry VII. London. Weidenfeld and Nicholson. ISBN A 0-297-76517-5. External links. Illustrated history of Henry VII. Wars of the Roses. Information on Henry and Bosworth. Tudor Place page on Henry VII. Dictionary of National Biography.